right, Football at Four with Jeff Mosher is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. A new edition dropped this morning at 6 a.m. Get the latest one at Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 6 a.m. Listen for the Inside the Birds podcast with Adam Kaplan and this man, Jeff Mosher. He's brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back for everything from skin care, cosmetic surgery. Go to ilovelyleback.com. Or call 856-MAKEOVER. Dr. Lyle M. Back, proud sponsor of football at four. Okay, Jeff Mosher is on the Boardwalk Honda hotline, and uh, he is with us now. So a lot to get into. Draft is coming up, and obviously free agency, but still a lot of uh, things on the coaching side here that we want to touch on first. Let's start with today's news. Brian Johnson is the new quarterback's coach. Interesting twist to him. His background with not Carson Wentz, but Jalen Hurts is kind of interesting, Jeff Mosher. Um, earlier, am I on mute? No, I'm muted. Okay. I didn't know about it until earlier. Mike Sielski obviously brought it to uh, the uh, attention via Twitter that he has known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old and recruited him to Mississippi State. So there's a history there, and um, you do have to wonder if any of that history was an allure to Nick Sirianni or how they are even connected because I don't think that they've worked together in any prior stops. I do know that Brian Johnson was, uh, you know, obviously regarded as a, a rising type of coach. He worked with Dak Prescott at Mississippi state. He worked with uh, Kyle Allen who was at Houston when he was there as the quarterback's coach. And of course, uh, Derek, I think it's Derek King, right? Who's now the Miami quarterback. I hope I yeah. pronounced that name correctly. Uh, so he's worked with some quarterbacks here. who have got some, uh, a claim to them. And of course, in Florida, what he's done with Kyle Trask. So, uh, it, you know, you look at that and you say the resume is good, but then you also look at the Eagles staff and say it's uh, it's got some youth and and some inexperience to it, especially on offense. Yeah. And, and he, obviously there's more to this story with Hertz too. I mean, he recruited Hertz. I mean, he, he, he played football for Hertz father or something to that effect in high school. So there is a pretty interesting background between these two guys. So you order, do you hire a quarterback coach was he to work with Hertz? Was he to work with Wentz? I mean, I find this to be a very interesting dynamic here because everybody just assumed you brought this coaching staff in and they were here to fix Carson Wentz. And then you got a football uh, quarterback coach who looks like he would be more tailored to work with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, and this is just, you know, obviously spitballing and speculating and things, but we do know that, um, you know, one of the one of the issues between Press Taylor and Carson Wentz for other people was that they felt Press was too close to Carson, didn't coach him hard enough. So now you find out that you've got Jalen Hurts here and you've got a, a quarterback's coach who practically, you know, not only say grew up with him, but obviously, as you mentioned, the closeness to the family, the dad known him since he was four years old. Is that kind of the the same version of what you just had last year, last few years with, with Press Taylor and Carson Wentz? I mean, it's way too early to know about that, but it obviously stands out because of the context that we know. All right, so we do know that Brian Johnson is now the new quarterback's coach here, um, and essentially the staff is almost put together. I guess they need a wide receiver coach. Is that what's left? Well, it depends. I mean, there are a lot of coaches that are still under contract. So if, um, for example, last year they hired Aaron Moorhead, so he is technically right now still the Eagles' wide receiver's coach by virtue of his contract. You can change the room, but you can't change the crappy Wi-Fi. 
Man, uh, you know what? You can take me out of Siberia, but uh, yeah, I heard what you said. I'm sorry. I don't know what I can do. But um, the point I was making was that they Aaron Moorhead did have a discussion, and it, I was told it was a good discussion, and we'll see what happens. I, I think it would be – I think it's not a great idea to try to hire somebody new at every position. I think it's good to have some holdovers as long as these are competent coaches because you need some continuity. If they were to bring in a new wide receivers coach, what would that be? Would that be the sixth in six years or the fifth in five years? You know, if you look at the talent development on this team at wide receiver, at some other positions, and you wonder why that's been an issue, it's not always just coaching. It's not always just where they're drafted. It's, uh, you know, it's the continuity and the time to develop. New coaches have new ideas, new perspectives, and new schemes. So it would be nice to see a couple of guys, as long as they're deemed competent, get a chance to really work with their position group for more than a year or two. Now, uh, that, more, by the way, Moorhead yeah, is a Colts guy, isn't he? He played for the Colts? I, he did I, play for the Colts. Not well, yeah, yeah. But I did. I think he coached – like he was an assistant. He may have a connection to coaching, but I'm not sure if Sirianni was there at the time anyway. Now that things are somewhat coming together, what's one thing that intrigues you about this staff as a whole and one thing that concerns you? Well, I'll start with the concern. It's something that we talked about today uh, on the Inside the Birds podcast that dropped this morning. It, it is very common for a first-time head coach who is young, like Nick Sirianni is, to bring in a veteran, to surround yourself with someone who's either been a head coach or a coordinator before. Uh, I noted that Sean McVay's first hire was um, a defensive coordinator was Wade Phillips, right, who had been a head coach. Uh, Kevin Stefanski brought in uh, his defensive coordinator, whose name is escaping me right now, but that guy has been a defensive coordinator before. I mean, Chip Kelly came in here and, and brought in Pat Shermer, right? Chip Kelly's first first year in the NFL, and he had Pat Shermer as his offensive coordinator. And Doug Peterson had a really nice uh, nucleus of, of veterans with Frank Reich and with Filippo and, of course, Jim Schwartz. So right now they don't have that kind of guy. They have Jeff Stoutland but they really don't have anything uh, else on the offensive staff or on the team that you consider a, a veteran coach who's either been a head coach or been a longtime coordinator. So that would be my concern. And, and I, and Adam reported that he you know, he gets the sense that that Sirianni will bring one in. So we'll see if the, if he does that, but as of right now, that's, that's my concern. You know, you asked me what I'm intrigued about. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm intrigued about the defensive coordinator Gannon, he comes very highly recommended. You know, Adam said a few uh, few people he spoke to kind of mentioned that um, Gannon was considered kind of the next DC in waiting by a lot of teams. And even a couple of people I spoke to said that they had gotten to know him and, and felt like he was very deserving of the opportunity. And he might bring more cover too, which we didn't see a lot of with Jim Schwartz. And he might bring some more blitzing, which uh, as we know, we didn't see a whole lot of with Jim Schwartz. So to me, it's not about how often you're blitzing, but how good are your blitzes. So I'd, I'd like to see uh, what he brings to the table from that step standpoint. Now, he was a guy that others wanted, but do you get the feeling that he was a guy the Eagles would have targeted regardless of Sirianni being here? Yeah, I was actually told that Jeffrey Lurie was aware of who Jonathan Gannon was, and he was very enticed by the idea of being able to bring him over. So there was some excitement about that, and the fact that you know, I think he had some offers. I forget what I know. I, I thought I think there was a, a report that the Rams were interested, but obviously, um, not the Rams. Was it the Chargers? Maybe I don't know. One of the teams. I don't know if he would have been the play calling defensive coordinator. Here, he will be the play calling defensive coordinator. 
You had Joe Banner on a recent episode of Inside the Birds TV. Was there anything that he said that you went, huh, raised your eyebrows a bit? Oh, man, we that was uh, – I really encourage people to check it out. I know we've had Joe on before. I, I, I find him to be very insightful, and he always gives us some new things that uh, are pretty fascinating. He, he talked uh, – he had a couple of things that I thought was interesting. One, he talked about when he knew they got it right on Andy Reid, uh, which was pretty early in the process. He talked about the interview process itself and how – he would. He always wanted to have as many different interviews as possible. He talked about the vetting uh, of head coaches. Once you kind of come across a guy that you like, how do you then go and vet? And how do you separate the idea? And this is where I think a lot of teams struggle. Uh, a person who interviews well versus a person who's a really good head coach. Because some people are just natural salesmen and they say the right things and you get a great feeling when they articulate their vision about them and then they wind up not being a very good Head coach. I mean, look, Adam Gaze has wowed two franchises, right? With with whatever he has said in the interview chair, and he has failed in all in both franchises that he's coached. So it's very difficult thing to separate the two concepts. And one last thing that he talked about extensively was um, for him when he hired somebody specifically uh, on his staff, Joe Banner, talking about um, coming into the front office. He cut. He discouraged people from hiring. Uh, people that you work with in the past. He, f- he always felt like if a person just hired people they work with in the past, that they weren't doing their enough diligence around who the best and brightest minds are around the league. They're hiring more on comfort, right? And so he tried to discourage people, which is a common thing. You see people, whether it's a GM or whether it's a head coach, they're as you see now with, with, um, with Sirianni bringing in Shane Steichen, who he coached with, and Gannon, who he coached with, uh, you know, you always want somebody to really know who the, everybody around the league and, and not and kind of step out of their comfort zone to make sure they're getting the right people and not just the people they're comfortable with. By the way, the uh, Eagles did hire a tight end coach today, Jason Michael, and he's interesting because he's been a tight end coach, but he's also been a quarterback's coach. Uh, he was an offensive coordinator, and uh, it's interesting because he went from offensive coordinator in Tennessee to quarterback's coach. It's almost like he took a demotion there, but here's a guy who's been a coordinator, quarterbacks coach, tight ends coach, um, and uh, has been around the league. So of all the guys on the stand so far that I've seen, 42, he's the oldest guy. Yeah, how about that? He's, he's going to be the elder statesman. I'm sure he's not really <laughs> looking at that and feeling great about it. Uh, you're right. I, I do feel like what happened with him in Tennessee was accurately should be considered a, a demotion. And, you know, before Arthur Smith got there, I'm not sure they had a, an offense that really wowed you. Um, but he's a tight ends coach. So, you know, uh, they've obviously have Dallas Goddard. And by uh, we'll the way, he came happens. here from the Colts. The Titans, I thought. Was it the Colts? He was with Tennessee, but was with uh, Indianapolis last year. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Uh, good call. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There's that. Talks about that, that connections again. Look, it's hard. One thing I got to be fair with. It's really hard to put together a coaching staff in your first year when you were one of the last hires, because a lot of teams now, if they've lost guys, they've patched it up, right? They've, they've made their hires. Or if you're trying to get guys, they're under contract and they need to be let out. If you remember last year, the Eagles talked to um, James Urban about their wide receivers coach opening, but they took a long time before they hired Aaron Moorhead. And uh, I think John Harbaugh was a little, uh, yeah, I know. I don't know if he was outspoken about it or said something, but he got a little miffed about how long it was taking the Eagles to either, you know, make a decision here. Uh, so it's hard when you're a first-time head coach to get all the guys that you want, and sometimes you just have to go with guys that you at least know or comfortable with. 
we keep hearing about Sirianni and the fact that he likes 12 personnel. Does that mean anything in terms of the future at, at tight end right now with Ertz, or is it pretty inevitable based off of the contract situation? Well, it could, it's, it, you know, they may not be hand in hand. He really might like the idea of 12 personnel and want to play more. But as you, me, Mike, and everybody else knows, the Eagles need to shave salary off in a big way. So they're going to have to make some difficult decisions. And no, there's not, if you have a guy like Dallas Goddard, right, Hunter, and you have a coach who likes 12 personnel, well, you can look at the situation and say, we can still trade Zach Ertz. We have Richard Rodgers, who actually played fairly well for us last year, and you can come cheap, uh, come back cheap. You could also use, if you get, if you are able to trade Zach Ertz, if you're able to make a few more moves and that give you some draft picks, you can probably draft a kid to groom along the way. And then, of course, they have Caleb Wilson. And so it's not like um, you can't play 12 personnel if you get rid of Zach Ertz. You just have to be able to have uh, some good reinforcements at the position. But you know, you feel pretty good, though, still with Dallas Goddard as your number one tight end. So, Moach, let me ask you about free agency and with the cap situation that the team is in, does that tell you that they will not be able to be a player in free agency? Oh, man, I don't I don't know how they could. I mean, like, you know, I, and I say this, we were talking with Andrew yesterday. There's a lot of uh, Colts who are free agents in the secondary. There's a guy like Trey Burton who's a free agent. If you let Ertz go, maybe you bring – like, I'm talking about lower-level guys that uh, – so they got to make some changes, right? They can't just say, hey, we're so strapped and not turn the roster over at all. Correct. I mean, they're, they're look, first of all, they're going to get cap compliant because they have no choice, right? They're, so they're going to make these decisions. They're going to get to the cap. Now, the question is, how under the cap will they be to be able to make a significant free agent addition? That's where it's going to be very difficult. You know, last year they had the ability to bring in a guy like Javon Hargrave, to bring in Darius Slay and, and maneuver the contract a little bit. This year, I don't think you're going to be getting – uh, a stud-like free agent in that regard. Now, Trey Burton might just be the type of guy who you can sign to a one-year deal for not a lot of money. That that might be a guy that they can afford. But you look at cornerback, right? Outside of Darius Slade, they have no outside cornerbacks. And you can't just rely on, especially this team, uh, drafting an outside cornerback and saying, that's my, that's my guy, right? We're going to move Avante Maddox outside and we'll use our first or second or third round pick um, uh, to start on the outside while Maddox slides inside. But, you know, at the same point, by the same token, cornerbacks are expensive. Even, like, just good ones wind up making a lot of money on the free agent market. So you wonder how the Eagles will be able to address some of their positions and some of their holes when they really don't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. Yeah. Buckle up. It's not. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be the greatest year for the Eagles in 2020. Why? Yeah, no, that, that's fair. But considering all the holes on this roster, would you look – or I should say, is offensive tackle out out when it comes to that number six overall pick? Like, you don't need to go in that direction because there's so many other holes that you might be able to hang on with what you have for at least another year or two? Well, I mean, there's the Jeff Mosher answer and the Howie Roseman answer. The Jeff Mosher answer is absolutely should not be out. I mean, if, the, if an offensive tackle is there and you have him graded as a top guy and he's so this that good, you, we've seen how injuries have taken their toll on this offensive line and you can't have enough good ones. And you know yeah, what? Don't you feel most that I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that it's not a potential need, but don't you say, look, we have some in-house things, you know, we let's have Dillard and my, to battle out for that. Johnson's back. Brooks is back. And if they break down fine, we're probably bad again. They break down, but we have enough other holes 
that instead of drafting a lineman, who if I draft a tackle, is he playing right away? I mean, then you're telling me that Dillard's not playing. Then you're telling me Mylotta's not playing or Johnson's not playing. So you're going to take a guy and basically say he's going to be in a battle when I can get a guy who I know is going to play. Well, I, I so that would be maybe the Howie Roseman answer, and I'll, I'll say this: if it's, <laughs> if it's close, if it's a tie, Mike, right? If you have a similar grade on an offensive tackle and a cornerback like Patrick Sertain or something, then I would think that the Eagles would go with the cornerback for what you're saying. But if you have a higher, if you feel like this offensive tackle in your grading is a future Hall of Famer or a six, seven-time Pro Bowler. And you know you you skip that to take a somebody else who's not you don't see you think is a good player but not as good then you're making a big big mistake in my opinion. Well, did you think that Jalen Rigger was a Hall of Famer? Well, you're talking about not the sixth overall pick. You're talking about the bottom of the first round. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think anybody at that point was going to be a future Hall of Famer. No, I, look, I I agree with the premise of they like eventually you're going to need like. I feel like, though, they owe it to themselves to find out what Dillard is and if Maialata can play, and then maybe that position you don't need to draft a new one for. You know what I mean? I, I, see I don't like that. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. Right now, because now I can see your reaction to some of my questions. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I would say you owe it to yourself to, to develop and put together the best possible team that you can. And if you do that and you follow that blueprint – you will succeed. And so I do think that you don't pass up on a guy if, for another guy if you have him much if you have him higher rated. You feel like they've made a decision on Dillard? I feel like they probably will go into the OTAs thinking that Jordan Mailata, it's if assuming they don't, you know, bring in another offensive tackle in the first round or something. Um, I would think that they go in thinking that it's Jordan Maialata's job to lose, but they would love for Andre Dillard to go and take it. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. that's interesting. No doubt about it. Uh, real quick on the line, feeling on Kelsey, and if Kelsey doesn't return, does Sayamala move there, or do they keep him at guard? So it's a great question, and that goes back to why I think you can draft at any position because you may have movement, right? Uh, I think if Kelsey retires, I believe their inclination would be to move Sayamalu to center and then fill left guard. I know that when they drafted Jack Driscoll, even though they started him at tackle, they felt like he had the athleticism to play guard. You know, he came from Auburn, an RPO-heavy program. They just wanted him to get a little bit bigger and stronger in the offseason. So he could potentially be the next left guard if you move Sayamalu to center. However, Nate Herbig, don't remember, don't forget, he started off his career with the Eagles as a center, played guard last year, did actually better than a lot of people thought he would have done. I mean, he's not perfect, and he really needs to improve in pass pro, but he's a good run-blocking uh, offensive lineman, and he could probably also, if they don't want to move Sayamalo out of left guard, uh, they could consider Nate Herbig at center and keeping Sayamalo at left guard and, and Brooks at right guard if Brooks is coming back. What is a fair expectation for the right well, what side What do you mean if Brooks line? is coming back? Yeah, I snuck that by you, didn't I? Well, yeah. well, you didn't sneak it by me. Well, I, was, yeah. I, know, I just brought up the right side of the line. I got cut off by everybody. But go well, ahead, expand. He tried, to, he tried to sneak that by. I did. Yeah, go ahead. I did. You guys are a bunch of Carter Hearts out there. You are, you're not. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, I only bring that up because uh, I know the Eagles. And listen, this is nothing I've been told or, or I don't want anybody to think I'm reporting anything. But I'm looking at it analytically. I know the Eagles. You know they have to make difficult decisions. They have to shave off salary. Brandon Brooks is going to be 30. He's coming off a second Achilles. 
I thought it was interesting that they activated him into the 21-day window on the last week of the season, which to me was kind of a broadcast that, hey, he's healthy enough and medically cleared to be out there. You wonder if he would be a person that they would consider trading because the value on Brandon Brooks still might be pretty decent. Everybody's seen the videos. They know he looks like a, an Adonis out there and that he's coming back from his second Achilles in another yet another record time, right? Because he, he could have technically played, I guess, in the season finale. So we know the team needs to get younger. I, I don't think you should dismiss the idea that they would look around and see if they can get something decent for him. Well, what would you do at right guard then? Would that be a Driscoll spot? Could be a Driscoll spot. Absolutely. And then maybe you, you know, you'd play Herbig at, um, uh, or, or if Kelsey stays, you have Kelsey staying at center and, and Sam Allo left guard. Now you mentioned Brooks. Would Lane Johnson also be a cut candidate? I, probably. I don't know about a No, not a cut. And I don't think they would cut Brooks either. I, I said, you know, shop him around and see if you'd get anything interesting for him. I think it's different from Lane because he's a tackle, not a guard. You know, I think with guard, you can get by a little bit as good as Brandon Brooks was. I mean, if you have just a, a pretty decent guard in there and really good tackles, you can have a pretty good offensive line. It's not one of those great value positions in the NFL, to be, to be honest. So, Yeah, the issue I'm having, though, when we talk about this is, all right, my lot at left tackle, maybe her big playing center, Driscoll at right guard. Like, isn't this the line that we had last year that we looked at as a problem? And now we're sitting here going, well, well, they can do this and they can do that. It's like, well, that. That's part of the problem that we had last year, no? Uh, well, I think the problem was more that you had 13 or 14 different offensive lines in 16 games. And again, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you Nate Herbig should be a starter. I'm just saying that with another offseason and with some improvement, he could be a center. Jack Driscoll, we all thought, played well. So it wasn't an issue of, of his performance. It was more that just that, A, he was a rookie, and B, he was, he was also hurt a little bit. Um, again, you know, Mylotta, Dillard, I mean, these guys are guys that have certain expectations for. So as long as you get five guys, Hunter, that you feel pretty confident in and they're they're healthy, then I think you have a different story. Yeah, I, I agree with, you know, the fact if you have Dillard and Mylotta, they battled out in training camp, the winner goes in and they play, and that person's there for the season. Let's say, what's your feeling on Kelsey? It's a good, good, good one. You know, I got to look into that a little bit more. He usually takes his time in deciding uh, whether or not he wants to retire. Uh, this decision may not just be independently of his. It may, it may, it, his, his contract isn't that much, but it's big for a center. And center is not a position where a lot of teams budget a lot of money for because a lot of teams don't have centers as good as Jason Kelsey. So they're spending more than the average team at center with their Kelsey contract. So the Eagles may feel like it's time for them to move on, whether or not Jason Kelsey still wants to play. What happens with Deshaun Jackson? Oh, I think that he's not going to be coming back. I'd be very surprised if he's back. Okay. Real couple quickies real fast. Any of the, of the bigger name veterans that get paid money, I don't know the contract, but like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, um, you know, Rodney McLeod, guys who are veterans who make decent money. Are they should they be worried? I think, you know, the the big the, the big two are or big three are Deshaun, Malik Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey. I think those three guys are extraordinarily unlikely to be back. Brandon Graham is interesting because ordinarily you'd probably say that's another guy you have to make a tough decision on, but they don't have a whole lot of three down defensive linemen to play on the edges. Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett have really been rotational guys so far. And I know they don't want to play Sweat as a three down lineman because of his past knee issues. So you, I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to say goodbye to Brandon Graham, but Zach Ertz, that's a guy who I think 
will probably get traded or could, you know, could very likely get traded. McLeod got hurt. So if you're going to cut him, you'd have to pay, like do the whole, you know, reach an injury settlement. And yeah. that's another position where all of a sudden you're looking awfully young and inexperienced. If you're just going forward with Kavon Wallace and, and Marcus Epps there as your top two safeties. Uh, do they explore bringing Mills back? Oh, I forgot about Jalen Mills. Um, I think that is a very good question because we don't know what this defensive coordinator's tendencies Correct. are going to be. Yeah, uh, Andrew yesterday said he felt that Mills fit this scheme better than Schwartz's scheme, but we'll see. Would they use him as a corner? Would they use him as a safety? That would all. There's so many questions here. And by the way, now that there's a new coordinator here, would linebacker be in play at number six? No, because because you know the coordinator ain't going to make that call. The head coach not going to make that call. It's going to be the GM. You guys know that. So unless something changes, you know, as long as Howie Roseman is still the GM and making the pick, then I'm not going to put. I'm not going to project them taking Micah Parsons at six overall. All right, Jeff Mosher, football at four. That was a lot. We fit in there. We'll do it again, of course, uh, tomorrow. Andrew on Friday is Adam and the Inside the Birds podcast has much more of this type of conversation Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. It drops at 6 a.m. We do it all off season right here on Football at Four powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. All right, man. Take care. Just one glitch, right? That was it. That was one it. glitch. Whatever room now. you're in was all right. All right, I'm walking off into retirement now. Take care. Take care. All right, Football at Four. It's brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back for everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery. Go to ilovelyleback.com. 856-MAKEOVER is the number. Lyle Back, proud sponsor of Football at Four. That question you asked him about number six, linebacker, it sparked – Spark something I read yesterday I want to get your thoughts on. All right, he will ask me that, and I'll give my thought on it coming up next. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Stop the countdown. And watch the show live. Just go to our website, 97.3 ESPN.com, or use your free mobile app. And watch the Sports Bash today and every day at 97.3ESPN.com or on your phone with the free mobile app. You can watch it on your TV. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your laptop. I don't care where you watch it. Just watch it. I agree with you. You would have saw Moach laughing at us. Yeah, he was laughing. You see him, like, wrestling with his dog? Yeah, I heard the dog bark as well. He's always struggling, it seems, at 4 o'clock. But you can go to DraftKings, by the way. Right now, they have a golden ticket giveaway. Up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. I did that last night, by the way. When, As you uh, should. Jeff Nadeau gave us a winner. Richmond, that was an easy winner, by the way. Uh, easy. Everyone knew that. I, I mean, watched that. That game was on TV. That's incredible. It, it was weird. Over the fly, guys. Well, no, it was on before. The, it came on at 6. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I see what you did there. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter the DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. The top prize is $1 million. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Sports Bash. Um, got some text messages here. You have a question you want to throw my way as well. I'm interested in that, but first. Let me read off a couple of these text messages. I'm with you, Gil. I never learned to blow my nose. I clean it out by twisting pieces of TP in the nostrils. Okay, so I guess that's a little bit different than the – is that the same as the dab that I go for? I just kind of stick things out, dab, dab, dab. What is it that you're dabbing up there? 
yeah, like a toilet paper or something. Yeah. TP or roll. I you sadly, I'll have to admit, I use the tissues, but that's because it's there. I don't per. I would never go out and buy them, but if they're sitting there, I'm going to use them. Yeah. See, I do like the. Yeah, you do like the rub or the swipe. Yep, it's on my hand, and then I rub uh, it on my pants. Oh, come on. That's a PT move. That's something I would expect out of the PT. <laughs> I didn't see that out of the gill. Yep. Can I go the gill? It works with the PT. I nah. don't think it really works with that. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. I apologize. I take that back. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome to trade down and take Parsons, maybe build a solid defense. Could be a new strategy for the birds. I don't hate the trade down strategy. I'm all for the trade down. I agree with you. Like, I'm, I think I'm that's about to trade down. Like, I have an article up right now that I wrote for the first three rounds on what how I would kind of do it. I would be okay with trading down. You're, the, it depends who's there at six, though. Like, I need to know who's still available. There are some players that I think it, it's just go get your guy, go get the player you're looking for, get the position that you need help at, and let's move on. But if guys are off the board then I think it's okay to, to kind of look in another direction. But how about this? I saw that Mel Kuyper put out his mock draft, and he has this, the Eagles at six taking Jalen Waddle with mm -hmm. Smith and Chase not being on the board. And, and I just feel if – They're both gone. They're both gone. They're not available. If Sertain is available and you're going Waddle, I think you're then now drafting – position that you want over best player available. And I don't know if I like that very much. Oh, that's not a hundred percent true though. Well, I'm just saying most based off of majority. And that doesn't mean that that's There's a right. Couple but things that could be in play here. What's that one? They could have waddle ranked above any of those other positions. Yeah. They, they would be in the minority, but that could be the case Two, They could have waddle ranked above the other two wide receivers. Oh, that's what the, what was the first one? Above Sertan? Yes. Okay. Or okay. Parsons Any, or anybody, anybody else. else. Okay. I can they get... might say these three receivers are all three ranked above any other position player that comes up on the board at number six. I, I just I would disagree with them well, and time would tell, and but it could yeah. be a situation like last year. We have Waddle above Chase, or no, they're both gone, you're saying. Yeah, but they're both in gone. their mind, they might say we had them higher anyway. That might not be true. We'll never know that. But they did have Rieger above Jefferson. So they could say, like, the interesting thing would be if Waddle and, and Chase and Smith were all there, or just two of the three were there, and they went with Waddle over the other guy. Yeah, that would add a whole nother layer to the conversation. I guess when I look at this team and I see it's because Sertan was available. Missing out on that for Waddle, it's like, I know we need that outside. We need that outside corner and I think you can get a wide receiver that will help this team in the second round where you can get your whole fit fixed in certain and you can still get that wide receiver in the second round which I think would benefit this team more than finding another solution for outside corner and then getting your wide receiver in the first round but if it's Smith or Chase I feel better about the wide receiver position but if it plays out the way Mel Kuyper had it I don't think um, I'm as excited as I could have been like, I don't think Waddle's going to stink by any means. And, of course, he's been injured. But missing Sertan for him, that's where I think I'd be a little There's disappointed. There's a lot of people who have him as the best of the lot. Yeah, which is he got is hurt rare. this year. I know. So if he doesn't get hurt this year, you might think differently. That's true. But I also... You know say like He was, by some people, the better of the two on Alabama. It's just that Smith 
was all by himself there after, well, not all by himself, but he was the main guy because Waddle left, and then he got all the headlines and he got all the accolades, but many people thought that Waddle was actually the better of the two. So you would be okay if you walk in the next day and Waddle was their pick at six and we move on? Well, I personally would take Patrick Sertan the second if he was there. Okay, I'm with you on that. That's the, to me... They need to get an impact player. Their best players on defense are all, it's Brandon Graham over 30, Fletcher Cox over 30, Rodney McLeod, ACL injury. Their best players on defense, Slay is now 30. They have got to get a younger guy on that defensive side of the ball. And I, agree, I agree with you. You have Slay. You trade it for him. Why don't you do something with that secondary and say, all right, we went out of our way to go get Darius Slay. Let's pair them up with somebody and give this defense a look that we haven't had since Bobby Taylor and, and and you know, Sheldon Brown. That would be a lethal duo. I would be super excited. But I also wouldn't be upset if they went with a Devontae Smith or a Chase, if they're available there. Like, I would understand those two. I would feel better about taking a chance on those two than I would Waddle. And I don't care about the three. I don't have a – I mean, Chase would be my favorite of the three. I don't think Waddle or Smith are – it's 220-221 for me. They both are guys that are smaller, almost like you would say a slot kind of guy. I mean, Waddle, he gets shot out of a cannon, that kid. I mean, he's a big yards after the catch guy. I don't know. Is he too similar to Rieger? I think both of them are similar to what you think what you think you have with Rieger. That's the problem. You got Smith isn't a big guy either. I mean, he's another guy that you would say, well, I mean, he's more of a speedster. He's more of a guy that you might see in the slot a lot. But isn't that what you thought with Rieger? Yeah, but I think even with Rieger, they tried to sell you that he was fast, but his 40 time wasn't even fast. And then they were trying to say, well, he, he didn't have his best showing and this and that. Like, we expected this guy to be a speed demon, and it wasn't as even if he, he had that speed demon qualities when they were going out and, and having him do some of the NFL tests. Uh, yeah, yeah, his well, his 40 times were fast. It was his play time that didn't translate. Well, that's a huge problem. Yeah, Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going off of a guy that, hey, he did this at the combine, and then you got him, and you're like, oh, he's not as fast in pads as he is straight line. But, like, Waddle, look, this guy was highly, highly productive, but he's small. And Smith, the same thing. They're both kind of small. Chase is the guy that, of the three, I think I like the best. But is he going to be there at six? And if he's not there at six, then that goes to what you were talking about. Do they have these two guys ranked ahead of Patrick Sertain? Because you need all you need a corner, you need a wide out, you need a linebacker. So these you could say, well, are you drafting a need or best player available? And they can all be in the same conversation because you need them all. You do, you really do. That's why I don't have linemen on my list. I can't rule out the lineman thing. I just can't rule it out knowing because, like, what if you do move on from Brandon Brooks? I thought that was a, a really interesting thing that most brought out there. That hey, that look, does change some things. Yeah, now it's like you might you, you need that, and then you can move guys elsewhere. But Dillard's really just one left tackle position. That's all he is. So it's not like you can move him anywhere. And I thought you brought up a good point that what do you tell your fan base now? Now we're drafting another tackle, and we just drafted one two years ago that barely has even played yet, and he went through injury as well, so you just don't know what he has. And you have an undrafted guy who might push him aside. It's just a really hard sell to a fan base that knows you have 30 other holes in other areas. But I, I still can't rule it out. If he's that high on your board, 
then it doesn't matter what the message should be if you firmly believe that this guy is game-changing on the line. Oh, there's no question. Um, see, the whole offense, like, and, and he brought up Brooks. It, maybe if they make a trade, fine. That would be something that I don't foresee. But if they can get... But that's also a guard. What get in return for Brooks? Well, yeah, it's Third a Third round point. pick? Right. I, I'm not sure what you would get for him. But I'm also thinking that that's a guard, you? a guard position. If I told you, you got Brandon Brooks is coming back and he's healthy. He's the best right guard in football. I traded him away for a third round pick. Well, here's the problem. No, obviously not, because this guy's arguably the best right guard in football. This is where the whole thing comes in at, oh, well, they'll find a way to get under the cap. Yeah, they will, because they're going to have to. You're forced to. That's the type of move that you have to pay. That's that's your payment. You're over the cap. You have to get rid of arguably the best right guard in football for a third round pick. So no, it wouldn't satisfy me, but they put themselves in this position where they have to make those type of moves because you are in cap problems. So no, it wouldn't satisfy me, but you got to kind of recognize the situation, right? Well, if that's look, there's other guys that could probably. Deshaun Jackson, I was reading over his contract. He would have to be a post-June 1st, uh, from what I think I read, if I can remember that correctly. So he's going to be here. You're going to be like, what's going on with Deshaun? Deshaun, he's going to be a post-June 1st, if if and most. Yeah. By the way, most is chiming in on us. He said, Ray, we flip-flopped it. Rager's time was slow at the 40, which I thought, but his play speed was fast. So it was his slow his time at the combine they were like oh look at this guy he's so fast and he ended up not having such a great combine cuz he bulked up too much but his play time play speed is is better well he didn't impress me enough i agree with you no on matter that. what no i agree and, with you and he some did. of that look some of that i think that Doug didn't use them very good. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. You just keep talking about a lot of verticals in the offense as a whole. That's been a big knock on him. Is just too much vertical stuff, and you got to find other ways to kind of get this offense going. So that's something I'm intrigued with with Nick Sirianni. Is how is this offense going to look if it's less vertical? What else are we running? How are we scheming guys open? And I'm intrigued to see it from that standpoint. Uh, interesting point here by Stan from Galloway. He says the Eagles could trade with Denver. If a quarterback is there at six, because Denver will need to jump ahead of Detroit, the Eagles would still have a tremendous amount of players to choose from. They need to get a quarterback with the first pick. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't think quarterback is in play. Yeah, because now you're saying, well, okay, you might say, I don't like Wentz. You need to get a quarterback because you don't think Wentz is going to be fixed. I don't think this, the Eagles are going to add another quarterback. They might say, we're going to try to trade Wentz and go with Hurts. I don't know. They, would they say we're going to trade Wentz and then draft a quarterback? I would be shocked. I guess we can't rule anything out, but I feel if they're not rocking with Wentz, at least for this upcoming season, they're rocking with Hurts. I don't think anything else is coming in here to really mess things up even more. But once again, we are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. I think before last year's draft, if we had a hypothetical going, do you think they take Jalen Hurts? You're like, no, there's no way they take Hurts. And then what do you know? Now, they, Paul they from EHT says, wouldn't it be funny if the Eagles trade down to pick Parsons after throwing their last game? Not necessarily because you got to six so that someone had to give you more assets for you to go back. You could have won that game and been maybe in a similar spot, but you wouldn't have got the assets extra to move back to that spot. So getting the six, you might move back, but to move back, you got more. Absolutely. So that comment there is 
out. Yeah, you can get a whole nother player. Whatever the other team paid you to move up from nine to six or whatever it is, I'm, I'm just spitballing. You just got a whole nother draft pick. So that makes no sense. None. That's you. That's not well thought out by that gentleman. Go blow your nose. That's right. Come on, you're better than that, Paul. And you know if you're trading back, it's because somebody's giving you something. Sports Pass brought to you by Maplat Nissan. The all-new Maplat Nissan is now open on the Black Horse Pike and EHT next to Home Depot online. MaplatNissan.com. So that's a guy who spends money on tissues. Makes a comment like that. There's no value in tissues. We didn't ask Moshe if he was a nose blower. Well, he'll text you. Yeah, we'll get we'll get his thoughts. I want to see what Rieger's 40 time was because I think 447. I, I could have sworn that he was one of the faster guys, that, or Watkins was the fastest or second fastest. Quez Watkins, right? Yeah, Quez Watkins was fast, and he still is. So hopefully we can get some speed. That's going to be a crowded him. room. Hightower, Watkins, JJ. None that you like. I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of people sitting in there. Right? Yeah, there is going to be lots of battles. Who's going to win it out? There's so many intriguing battles. Makes for an interesting offseason. Uh, coming up at 530. Thurso. It's Philadelphia. Twitter. Search 97.3 ESPN or visit our website 97.3 ESPN.com. All right, now I know the top of the hour, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, you can watch the Sports Bash live right now. Go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com, or use your free mobile app and watch the Sports Bash today and every day at 97.3ESPN.com or on the free mobile app. So good conversation there on the draft. I think a lot of these conversations, like, as we get into these football conversations about the Eagles, I have so like, you know, I just start breaking down like battles and things and targets and who's going to stay and who's going to go. It's going to be so intriguing, especially since there's a whole new regime in here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's part of me that is excited and kind of like interested to see how it all plays out. But I'm not going to lie. When I was in the shower, I had a shower thought today, right? The shower thought's a good thought. It, it is, but not, Solid. Not, not so much, though, with this one because it's almost a negative thing. My gut feeling is telling me that this might be a disaster. Like, my gut feeling tells me that they are just going with all these young guys, this and that, the culture all coming here, and, and it's going to fall flat on their face. Now, this is nothing other than just gut feel here before we know anything. So I'm not saying this, this means that this is how it's going to play out, of course, but I just have this real weird feeling in my stomach that this might blow up on their face. I hope I'm wrong. It's nothing other than a gut feel. That's all. What, the draft? No, no, no. Just this entire new Nick Sirianni regime with the young guys, 33, 37, 39. Like, this whole mentality they have, it might blow up on them. See, I feel more the opposite. I feel that everybody feels the worst just because it's the easy thing to do. I just watched a horrible year. I'm down to the dumps. Most people are irrational, and they just think the worst. You see bad, you feel bad. I saw this happen before. I've seen a 4-12 and team. I saw a team go 4-12 and because they were decimated by injuries. I saw this team go 4-12 and because they were – I feel they were more 4-11-1 because they were decimated by injuries more than dumpster fire team. 
Well, now, but now we're talking about possibly moving on from your right guard, best, arguably the best right guard in football. That was a, a long I, shot possible. But you, you, the point is, you have to do make those type of decisions for a lot of guys in this organization. So you might not have that. Same I know type a lot of, of people don't like Howie Roseman, but I do have some thought that he's smart enough to understand that you can't get rid of Brandon Brooks. You might have to. I mean, if it comes to you, might, like those are the type of decisions. That's my point. Is I feel like he will figure out other ways before, like that would be the last of the last of the last ditch efforts. Maybe. And look, I'm, all I'm saying there's is plenty I'm, of other candidates that are less important than Brooks that I feel he can be like, all right, we can live without this guy. Maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll see when those moves start to be you know happening yeah. and all. I'm, look, I'm, but I feel again, it goes to the thought of. We think of the worst before we feel like, all right, they're going to get Brooks back and he's going to be healthy. Like, we want to be like, well, I don't know if he's going to be healthy. Well, I don't know that he's going to be healthy, but what if he is? What suggested he would? He's played 16 games every year. I mean, well, just the fact that he's hitting that back stretch and he's been hurt. There's a lot of guys that play in the offensive line in this league that are over 30. That's a different spot. You're talking about guys who are hitting the back stretch that are skill position players that typically. They lose the speed. They lose the athleticism. They don't have the same burst. A lot of offensive linemen play to a pretty older age in this league yeah, and are successful. I'm not saying that this is a disaster. I, obviously, I'm intrigued by some things. I'm just saying in the shower today, when I was sitting there thinking about Nick Sirianni, which is a weird-ass st- statement to say, I, I just had this weird feeling in my stomach like, I don't know. I don't know. Just something weird about it to me. But I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm and, wrong. And it's funny that you say that because I feel like I've been on the other side of like, I'm kind of like reinvigorated by what this offseason could bring to this team and the possibility of having one of those quick turnarounds of like, hey, you had one of those years that you just kind of cratered out. A lot of it depends on Wentz, though. And I don't know how I feel about that. But I think more than it depends on Wentz, it depends on that offensive line getting back health. Johnson, Brooks, and the left tackle position. But I like the fact that you have two guys battling it all out. More Eagles on the other side. Flyers and Sixers on the way.